we think we're going to create a whole new category of movers. We think one day people are going to say, hey, are you one of those happy moving guys or one of those old school moving guys? And then our tagline is we make moving fun, you know? So the idea of making moving fun probably and sounds a little weird because how could that be fun? We make it fun. We put on a whole show. We think moving's theater. Before, during, and after a move, we have all sorts of fun antics, surprises. We do dances. We do push-ups. Zeke, the mascot, shows up. We play music throughout the house. I mean, it's a whole thing. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner, from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Ron Holt. Ron is the founder and former CEO of Two Maids and a Mop, a residential cleaning franchise that he fully bootstrapped in the early 2000s and grew it to over 90 plus territories before he sold to private equity in late 2021. Today, Ron's the founder and CEO of Pink Zebra Moving, his next franchise venture, where he already has 10 plus franchisees operating and more opening soon. Ron shares his struggles and mistakes of growing that first business, Two Maids in a Mop, how he overcame it to success, and why he thinks Pink Zebra Moving can be even bigger. If you love hearing from franchisor founders, you're really going to enjoy this one. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Want to own a business that brings out the childlike wonder and all? Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting company looking for eager franchise owners to brighten communities across the U.S. With the flexibility to be a seasonal or year-round business and a low investment cost, this is an incredible, easy-to-learn, and easy-to-scale opportunity you won't want to miss out on. Go to wonderlyfranchise.com to find out more about becoming an owner. That's wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. Obviously, I know this began like I think from an inbound message, and you know I've known about two maids in a mop, and I I believe that's where your kind of a franchise journey started. Probably what in the early two thousands, long time ago. Yep, and we actually opened two maids in a mop on April Fool's Day in two thousand three. For a few years there, it felt like a bad joke, but thankfully, you know, it turned around, and I'm the quintessential entrepreneur. You know, like you hear all these stories about sacrificing grit. I had two years of loss, you know, three years before I earned my first paycheck, cleaned a few houses along the way. We own a cleaning business without a franchise support. That's what you end up doing. And so went through all of that craziness and self-funded, but somehow made it past those early hiccups and was able to build a strong brand afterwards. So yeah, that's where it all started, early 2000s. So I take it when you started it, did you have the intention to franchise it or was it just you wanted to build your own business and you picked residential cleaning as a starting point? Number one, the goal was to always scale. I was not that educated about the franchising world. In fact, I was the knowledge I had of franchising was actually on the other side from the franchisees. And I heard and met franchisees within the residential cleaning world. And there was a lot of contention. Just a lot. It just didn't seem to have the greatest relationship with their franchisor. And so I stayed away from that for years. 
even though I wanted to grow. And so we opened our own corporate stores to begin with, actually opened a dozen, 12 stores across the Southeast from the Carolinas down to Florida. And things were going really well. You know, we got past those early hiccups, like I just said, started opening more and more locations. And we said, okay, let's grow more. And I said, well, to do that, we've got to figure out a way to make our infrastructure, our home office stronger and bigger. And I just wasn't really that excited about it. And this is a crazy story I'm about to tell you, but I kind of dumbed my way into a weird meeting just with Fred DeLuca of all places, all people, the founder of Subway. No way. Yeah, it was crazy. We were in an IFA show. It was the first IFA event I'd ever attended. And I was in a lobby outside, you know, one of the ballrooms and he was sitting there. I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. We just sort of met and he uh, introduced himself and I did the same. And then we spent the rest, I missed every other session. I just spent the rest of the afternoon with Fred and he became like a mentor to me. And so he taught me how to be a great franchisor in a weird way. Like he would mostly talk about his mistakes and failures, which is weird when you think subway, you think franchising. You know, you think everything's perfect. It's all turned to gold. Yeah. But he talked about all the things that he wished he'd have done better. And so that taught me that you can be a great franchisor. And that's how we ended up actually franchising the Two Maids and a Lot brand versus growing the corporate stores. So that's kind of a crazy story. You know, we, you know, Fred and I became uh, buddies for a couple of years there. He did pass away a few years after that. But during that time frame, I learned so much about this industry and proud to say we still do a lot of it here at Fink Zebra Moving. So it's fair to say, thanks to that kind of just uh, choice encounter, that you were dead set after that, hey, franchising is the way to grow this business. Yeah, you know, so I didn't really know. We knew cleaning businesses. That's what I knew. I'd built it from the ground up. And so we knew how to market. We knew how to what products to use. We knew how to provide an estimate. We knew all the like inside baseball stuff to house cleaning as an industry. But we didn't know a whole lot about franchise relationships. We didn't know how to train that. We didn't know how to support that. We didn't know what kind of technology we'd need to pull that off. We didn't know KPIs that were going to be important, you know, simple things like that. And so for about a year, that's all we did was just sort of like immerse ourselves in all things training and support. And over time, we felt like we were able to build a model that was bigger than just a cool marketing process, which we did have. After about a year, then we started converting those 12 corporate stores one by one into franchise units. We didn't really sell a whole lot of new ones until that following year after that even. But once we started converting those, we became almost overnight this fairly large brand. We had 12 operating franchises at the time that all were very, very successful because we owned them, we built them. And so it was a startup emerging franchise brand, but with a twist because we had all those corporate stores that immediately graduated into franchises for us. I had uh, someone else, Jeff Duden, he's out home from France. He and I share a common connection there. He sold his brand okay. to the same folks that we did. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that brand is. I want to say ChemDry, but I could be totally making that up. Anyway, yeah. he kind of started going the corporate route. Then was like, actually, franchising is the way. And it was nice because he did a similar thing where those corporate stores kind of, he was able to sell them off to become the first franchisees. So yeah, interesting strategy. It seems like it can have some benefits. I want to dive into, before we get to Pink Zebra, I know that you ended up selling Two Maids in a Mop around 90 locations. And just, I want to hear, since that was your first foray into franchising, I guess it would be helpful to know, what year around if did you start actually like actively selling franchises? And then just, what was that early process like for you, being 
you know, you had, like you said, you had the inside baseball knowledge of cleaning, but you just probably didn't have, aside from Fred's wisdom, too much inside baseball on the franchising side. So what was that like? Yeah, it was a learning curve. Our early franchisees took it on the chin a few times because we were inexperienced. <laughs> so for the first six years or so, we just, we built cleaning businesses. We opened them, obviously under the same brand. And I was always, I literally lived on the road, just going location, 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 and eventually decided to franchise in around 2000, late 2008, 2000, early 2009. And during, again, the course of that whole first year, we just converted those units into franchises. The growth really took off sometime around or 12. And that's when we started actually 2011, getting more serious about opening new franchises instead of just converting these guys into to existing ones. And when that happened, it was like a rocket ship. You always hear about the, the hockey stick. That's exactly what happened for us. And so we went kind of crazy pretty quickly. We sold, we had 24 deals that first year. So basically two a month which for us was overwhelming. It was a lot. It was taxing for us because we didn't really have the infrastructure to pull that off. We had chosen franchising because we didn't necessarily want a large infrastructure, but we grew so fast so quickly that it even taxed the people we did have. And so we also, the biggest mistakes we made was just like the size of territories. I mean, I've told this story a bunch and I get a lot of credit for doing a lot of things right, but my mistakes are were pretty bad. And so this one was a huge one. We awarded the entire DC area, like not just DC proper, but Maryland and Northern Virginia to one franchisee. <laughs> so, oh, that's good for that. For that person won the lottery. <laughs> thank goodness they turned out great. They're awesome operators in that system. They're still growing. They're still, I think they own locations all the way down to South Carolina now. And their lives changed because of it. But not because they were obligated to do anything. <laughs> it's just they were great entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, learning how to accurately build a territory that was conducive for growth, but also allowed for our brand's growth as well. That was a hard lesson. Um, secondly, when it comes to training and support, again, we knew house cleaning. And so while we learned a lot from other brands and how to become a franchisor, living it is a whole other world, you know? And so some of the things that we experienced, we didn't really expect, like marketing, for example, we had a really strong digital marketing strategy that at the time was like revolutionary, like nobody knew what to do about it. And so we would enter a market and like almost overnight take over, uh, at least the digital side of marketing. We just assumed everybody would fall in love with it because it was so awesome. The ROI was just through the roof. And so we opened in one of our locations in Florida and we said, this is how you do it. Go do it. And here's the playbook. And so a few weeks pass and we don't really, we're not growing quite as quickly as we usually grow when we open a new location in that particular market. And so when we pulled it back, we learned pretty quickly why the franchisee had decided that they knew more about marketing than we did. And so said, yours stinks, mine's better. I'm going to do it my way. And so we didn't have any type of oversight or control on to ensure that that marketing process was being executed properly. And so we had to fix that. We actually built our own internal marketing agency because of that experience. And that allowed there to be more uniformity and consistency as we started, as we grew. So yeah, also I can keep going. That, those are the two biggest that stick out. It's funny for anyone listening, at least, I don't know if every franchise developer kind of agrees with this, but just from my days in franchise development with typically working with retail concepts, but like brick and mortar concepts, but the DMV, the Washington, DC, Maryland, Virginia area, that was like 
the market, the prime market. So it's yeah. funny that you're saying you just gave it away to one person because, you know, we could cut that up and sell sure. theoretically dozens, if not over a hundred units just in the Maryland, Virginia, Northern Virginia and DC area. It's just so many people. It was a big miss, but thankfully we got lucky. We got real fortunate on that one. <laughs> That's good so to hear. I'm curious on the operational side, right, for the marketing. I mean, was it an issue of like standardization, meaning like, are they creating different, whether it's Facebook ads or, you know, I don't know if you did direct mailers or whatever it is. Even worse. So the business actually started very strong. And so this, again, speaks to our lack of control early on. The business is so strong that it taxed the business in terms of just demands, talent was needed. And they didn't really want to grow that quickly. And so they would stop and start, stop and start marketing whenever they wanted to. The stopping was whenever they got so busy that they were forced to hire more people. They didn't want to hire people. They wanted to stick with their initial crew. And of course, we, the brand, was to grow, grow, grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. And so we saw that like up and down cycle. I said, what the heck's going on? And it aligned perfectly with the start and stop of the marketing decisions they were making. So they were utilizing this similar process and strategies, again, the digital side of things, but they just were stopping it. And so that was an easy fix. As we started growing, we did get a lot of people who wanted to do more things. I and mean, marketing can be sort of a like a rifle approach where you're very honed in, but sharp and in focus, or it can be more like a shotgun where it's just sort of um, scattered, you know, and all over the place. And it feels like since you're doing so much yeah. that big, big things are happening. And so a lot of our franchisees said, well, this marketing stuff is working, but it's so boring. It's just plug and play. What about a billboard? You know, what about sponsoring the local hockey team or whatever? You know, we we're like, no, but if you want to, fine, as long as you do this. And so we built the marketing agency so they would not make bad decisions when it came to things like that. And so it really worked well for us. You know, it's, it had, it came with some issues because now we weren't just a training and support company. That's what I think franchising is training and support. We were also a marketing company. And so sometimes if the marketing wasn't as perfect as we had hoped, the training and support side of what we offered and delivered wasn't as valued and respected. And so it forced us to be good at a lot of things so that the franchisee would think differently, think highly of what we were providing. We've actually changed that here at Pink Zebra Moving, even though we had a good experience with it there. I wanted our value to be training and support, training and support brand standards and all those things. And so we outsource most of that work here versus bringing it in-house. We even built our own software at Two Maids. And so we had a whole team of software engineers, but here we've outsourced essentially all of that outside of what we do in terms of teaching and again and support. Well, I guess before we get to Pink Zebra, so I know as you alluded to, right, you did sell it. Was there a motivation for that? Obviously, I, you know, I'm sure yeah. financial motivation, we can't yeah. ignore that, but why stop one? You know, obviously, you get the cash and the chips, but then restart versus just continuing to grow. Was there anything else entrepreneurial where you thought like, hey, I've been at this for 20 years. It's, it, was it just time? So I'm very entrepreneurial. I love it. I love everything about owning a business from the craziness to the good stuff. Yeah. The craziness was something I was sort of lacking. We had built this business that had become this like large enterprise. We had thousands of employees across the network from California to you know Florida. Things were really good, but my day looked a lot different than it did during those early ramp-up years. I was involved in meetings and traveling and very bureaucratic decision-making type things were happening. 
and I had become a CEO instead of just a crazy entrepreneur. And while a lot of that was cool, I mean, that, I guess, you know, if you, I kind of lived the American dream through all that and built, you know, something out of nothing, but I didn't love that life. Like that's the whole reason I became an entrepreneur is to get away from the corporate rat race, you know? And so yeah. here I am doing that after something I had built. And so I was struggling with that. Like, what do I do? You know, I, I didn't want to be nuts and just bring chaos into the business just so I could feel fulfilled, but also could stand the six hours of meetings. And so I said, what am I going to do? Well, about that time, my mother-in-law of all people hired a moving company right here in Birmingham, our headquarters. And so she had a horrible experience, as you can imagine, just like everything that went wrong, what did go wrong. And it was a mess, you know? And so she was upset and telling myself and my wife the story and, and all the you know trials and tribulations of it. And so as she's telling me the story, I love home services. I'm a huge fan of home services. I had been actively searching for some type of opportunity in that space, home service space, but nothing really attracted because I wanted something that's that was disruptable and nothing really was shining for me, you know? And so when she told me that, I pulled out my phone, looked in Yelp, and I went to, I tell this story all the time, but not that much of research went into it, but I went to Seattle, Omaha, and Miami. I felt like that was the best way to measure the country. And so I checked out negative reviews in each of those three markets. They essentially matched what my mother-in-law's experience was in Birmingham, Alabama. That sort of got the my wheel spinning. Like Maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe this is my way to transition. And so as all that's happening, I kind of marry those two thoughts I was just I just shared with you. And that's when I came to the decision that I wanted to return to startup life, build this thing all over again and build one location into hundreds across the country and sell this business of mine that for a long time I felt like was a child. You know, like I felt like it was my firstborn child for a long time. And so it was a actually a very tough it was actually an emotional decision because Money's great. You know, all the great things that come from that is awesome. The security that comes from that is really cool. But it's who I'd identified it. I mean, I was identified as two maids in a mop for two decades. And so to just all of a sudden say that's over, it was kind of a tough decision to pull off. And so anyway, I finally got to the point where I was embracing it more and dove headfirst into moving at that point. Look, franchising might sound great in theory, but once you get into the discovery process, the idea of selecting and starting any new business can feel overwhelming. That's why I'm excited to introduce a simple-to-learn, simple-to-scale franchise opportunity. Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting franchise making local communities a bit brighter by providing premier lighting solutions to their clients. And they're currently seeking franchisees to operate new locations across the U.S. With the flexibility to provide seasonal or year-round lighting services, this is a great addition to an existing portfolio or to operate as a standalone business. Plus, it's backed by the expertise and guidance of parent company, Buzz Franchise Brands. To learn more, visit wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. That's wonderlyfranchise.com. To me, what you're saying, I haven't necessarily had that with a company yet, but you know, I played soccer basically since I was age six and all the way through senior year of college. And yeah, when I stopped playing, I mean, that was like, whoa, that was my life. I was like a division one player, you know, at points wanted to go pro, obviously, you know, didn't make it there. And division one was the highest tier, but yeah, it was tough when you dedicate like yourself to something for so long. So, and I also understand too, even I think what you said about 
you know, two maids in a mop. It sounds like it, it really got to like become more of an enterprise where you were more of a CEO versus there are a lot of people who are, yeah, you know, they call themselves like serial founders, at least on Twitter, where I, I before we went live, you know, I kind of told you I spend a lot of time online there, just what I'm doing with content. And yeah, there's people who say like they really just enjoy the zero to one phase of company building and maybe a little bit more, but they're not necessarily enjoying the late the later stages where it does become a bit of a different game that you have to play. Now, there's obviously no right or wrong thing about that. It's just what you like as an entrepreneur. I am curious, you uh, stumbled on negative reviews in Seattle, Omaha, Miami. What was it that really got your wheels turning that said, boom, there's opportunity in this industry? What was intriguing to me was there were one negative review after the other in all these different markets from all these different people that had never connected with one another. They were different companies providing these services. So all of that was shared. But on the other side, all of those folks were paying $1,000, $2,000 plus for the service. And so I couldn't think of another industry where someone would spend that kind of money and be that unhappy. Today, this afternoon, if you go out and you purchase something for $1,000, you expect to be satisfied with it. <laughs> you know, it's not yep. something you go, well, it sucked, but what else was I supposed to do? <laughs> I guess taxes can make that. You could say that. <laughs> but outside of that, usually if it's a, an investment or just a, some form of entertainment, you're going to want something for that money. But you weren't getting that in moving. In fact, customers have said, well, what do you do? You know, Next time I move, I got to call another moving company. I was attracted to this big ticket. You know, I didn't have that experience at two maids because our tickets were much lower. They were less than $200 per ticket per customer on average. And so on this side, on the moving side, local move, there's actually two worlds, long distance moving and then local moving, which is where we really focus our efforts. Although local, it's just what it sounds like if you move from like one zip code to the other and it's a one day move, you know? And so those one-day moves are still very expensive for the consumer. They're typically over $2,000. And so I saw this $2,000-plus ticket opportunity combined with all of these negative experiences, and I said, that's a world that I would love to be in because I'm not used to that. I'm used to these $200 tickets, you know. That's what got me going and said, hey, I didn't know one thing about moving other than what the negative things were with the industry. I'd never picked up anything. I mean, I guess my buddies in college and I, we – moved to couch or something when we moved into a different apartment or whatever, but I had never yeah. worked for a professional moving company. I had never even driven one of the trucks, you know, we have 26 yep. foot trucks here and never driven one of those. So looked at all sorts of different options in terms of how to enter this industry. Again, I'm a startup guy. So I chose the hardest route, which was just to start from the ground up, much like yeah. those early customers at Two Mates. Our early customers here at Pink Zebra Moving were a mess for the first really almost two years, about a year and a half to two years. All we did was run a moving company in Birmingham. I didn't want to think about franchising. I was kind of coming off the work, you know, and the mountain I'd climbed at two mains, and I wasn't quite ready to start climbing another mountain anyway. And so we just said, let's master this home market. Let's learn from those experiences. Let's figure out how to make money doing it and enjoy that experience, and then we'll go hard on franchising later. That's what we did. You know, I went from working in a high-rise, like, corporate suite to managing movers almost overnight. Yeah. It was definitely a change of culture and worldview for me, but also invigorating. It was like it, every day I felt more and more energized. And so, yeah, it took us a couple of years to get it. We had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, we had to learn how to sell. I had to learn how to price. I had to learn 
what trucks to use, how to hire the right movers. Yeah. A lot of the technology that we used at Two Mates and even processes at Two Mates, I said, let's just make a carbon copy over here at Pink Zebra. Well, it wasn't always the case, you know, even though they seem very similar because they're both in the home service space, it's two different worlds. We couldn't necessarily just say, do that again. And so we had to learn some new things that we weren't accustomed to. And it took us a while to get there. But after about a year and a half, I said, man, we got something. You know, we got a business that can grow very quickly. This One of the great things about this business compared to the one I was in before, it can scale extremely quickly with four-figure tickets being the average ticket. Yeah. You can really grow quickly. I mean, we've got some franchisees that are, I can't share numbers, but they're just kick and tell, and they're less than 90 days old, you know? And so that would have been unheard of in my previous world. Once we learned how to build revenue, once we learned how to make profits from that revenue, and once we had all the internal systems down and ready to go, then we started doing the stuff you're supposed to do. We called this the FDD, figure out how to sell the opportunity, you know, in different places. We focused mostly on the Southeast initially, just because, again, we're here. And then just this year, even, 23, we've opened up the entire country for development. But for the first really a year and a half or so, we just kind of contained it to the Southeastern footprint. I can even tell, like, I love their branding. So like that right away just sticks out. It almost looks like an ice cream truck <laughs> in a way, like the color scheme, which is a good thing. My original professional career began in uh, the HVAC world. And it always, you know, kind of killed me that these different small businesses, HVAC and plumbing contractors, that all the names sounded very similar. It would be like, all-American plumbing, all-American HVAC, great American HVAC, and just white truck, random, maybe the font's a little different, but they all look the same. You know, there's the top companies always seem to have, they actually you could tell they had some thought behind the brand and the truck wrap and like making, I mean, because that's such a good marketing material as you're driving around. I'm looking at your truck online right now, the pink stripes on it. I would remember that truck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I've never seen a truck like that in my life. So I think it's just a good opportunity. But I'm curious, just was there anything specific that drove you to that name or were you just thinking, let's stand out? A lot of different sort of factors played into it. Number one, what you just said, we wanted to stand out, not just for the sake of being different, but we wanted to be different than our industry. Yeah. We felt like we were gonna, we were going to disrupt this industry. We actually were going to create a whole new category. We call it happy movers. And so we're, we're the pioneer in that movement right now, but we wanted to be completely different and we wanted it to be obvious, you know? And so the easiest way to do that was one, start with the color pink, because that's not what you think when you think male testosterone filled, you know, movers and start with the color pink. And where do we go from there? Well, I'm a huge fan. I'm a book nerd. I'll read all the time. Well, I read business books all the time. I should say, I don't read anything else. (laughs) So I'm very like one channel. And so anyway, yeah. I am a huge fan of this guy named Seth Godin. Seth Godin wrote a book or several books on marketing and branding. And one of those books is called The Purple Cow. And have you read The Purple Cow before? I have not, but I've heard it. heard yeah, of it. it so uh, yeah. You'll get this because you live in Texas, right? And so you've seen a few cows, you know, steers, I guess you call it there. <laughs> and so if you drive through an area where there's a bunch of cows, probably not in Austin, but maybe outside of Austin, <laughs> then you'll see just cows, right? Nothing stands out about those cows. They all look the same, no stripes, nothing, you know? And so if for some reason you saw a purple cow, then you would always remember that date and that time, that memory would be inside of you forever. You'd never forget it 20 years from now. So that's the essence and principles behind purple cow and how it translates to businesses because In his book, he talks about how most businesses think hard work and 
capital and all these things are what's necessary for growth inside of a business. And nobody really thinks, well, why should a consumer want to hire us? You know, why should they buy our product or service? And so we wanted to create a purple cow within this business. And I'll tell you more about that. And But the way to start that, the way to lead first with that purple cow mentality is just to change the name. And so that's why we incorporated Zebra. It doesn't hurt that Zebra Stripes are fun. You know, but Pink Zebra became the brand because we really believe that in, in that type of uh, ideology. So, yeah, that's sort of the the purpose behind it. There's all sorts of really cool things that we do. Like I said, we we think we're going to create a whole new category of movers. We think one day people are going to say, hey, are you one of those happy moving guys or one of those old school moving guys? <laughs> and that our tagline is we make moving fun, you know. So the idea of making moving fun probably and sounds a little weird because how could that be fun? We make it fun. We put on a whole show. We think moving's theater. Before, during, and after a move, we have all sorts of fun antics, surprises. We do dances. We do push-ups. Zeke, the mascot, shows up. We play music throughout the house. I mean, it's a whole thing. We even feed people the night before for free. It's a whole opportunity for us, again, to put on a real show. And when it's all said and done, we want customers to go, wow, you know, I can't believe those guys did that. We want people to look forward to that. We And that's happening. We get customers who hire us and they go, man, I can't wait till you show up because what's going to happen? Like what crazy things are going to happen besides just the obvious picking up boxes, you know? But it's kind of cool hearing customers say that. We see it in some of our reviews across the country now. And it's what I've you know dreamed of when we first had the idea to start a moving company. Just the word of mouth growth from... I'm sure customers might not even know that you're going to do that. Time, so they're probably like, whoa, like, well, this is not what I expected. And then they naturally would probably tell all their friends and all that stuff. I'm sure the neighbors notice. So that's a really good marketing yeah. tactic, uh, if not anything else. And I think the dinner thing is a really nice touch because, you know, I've moved quite a bit recently over the past few years, especially with COVID. And I know a lot of people obviously have kind of been all over the place with that. But, you know, I always underestimate how long it takes. And the night before... It's usually a, a, a big time crunch. So yeah, if I had someone bring me dinner, that'd be nice. Cause that's usually the last thing on my mind. So very nice gesture, I would say. But I'm really interested in this happy moving idea. I'm imagining, does it make it harder to hire for franchisees? Because you probably would want someone who's on board with that, right? right. Versus maybe someone is, I don't know, personality or, or even attitude where they're just like, no, like, I just want to pick things up and put them down. I'm not putting on a smile. We're in 10 markets right now. Got a lot of really cool things in the pipeline. It looks like it's going to be a big year for us. And so we're in 10 markets right now. So the answer is yes. Early on, it is difficult because movers aren't accustomed to something like what we're saying. They're not accustomed to us expecting them to know how to dance a little bit, expecting them to like put on a show, like I said, and do more than just work, you know? And so the first round of employees get an introduction to the brand through me, myself. You know, we have all sorts of training that goes along to beyond the physical part of what we offer in terms of training. And so early on, there's some hesitation, some worry, a little bit of even anxiety from new employees. But over time, culture takes over. Culture does its thing. Yeah. You know? So every franchisee we're bringing, one of, the things, one of the reasons we're at 10 locations right now is because we've had to kind of slow the growth because we really want franchisees to join our network for the right reason. They got to believe in what we're doing. They got to believe we are a pioneer. They got to believe that we are creating a whole new category called happy movie. To do that, the owners build that culture. They hire people who then carry that torch. And then over time, it kind of does its thing. So those first few hires, it's all brand new. 
But once you get that core there, once they really start seeing the difference, I mean, truthfully, it's not just something that's good for us, the business owners, but our movers make more money because of it. This is a, we pay them a great wage. Our franchisees usually pay our movers anywhere from 18 to $22 per hour. And so they're working all day, making decent money, but the tips in this industry can be pretty significant as well. Well, you'd put on a show for a customer and you do things that they're not really accustomed to seeing from a movie company, you're going to get bigger tips because of it. And so they feel that, they see it. The more push-ups I do, the more sillier I act, the more <laughs> I even just, if I just say hello to a customer instead of put the hoodie on and earbuds, they put my head down. But if I just say hello to a customer, that can create more tips for me. And so that's sort of where we lead over time. Then we sort of have internal competitions and challenges to get people to bring stories back Every single day at a morning meeting, a manager or an owner, whoever's present for that meeting, is going to challenge their team to bring a story back, a positive story. And sometimes that story is very generic. Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's unbelievable, some of the things that happen. And none of that has anything to do with process or systems. It's just the culture that's inside this brand and our franchise's business. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it gets easier over time. The fact that you've slowed, kind of had to slow growth purposefully to really make sure that cultural foundation is there. Because yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's something that can be infectious. And even like you mentioned, some people may be a little hesitant or even anxious. But if you come into a business and a company and everyone's kind of doing things one way, it's like, oh, okay, like this is how it's done. Yes, how you do uh, it. So yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I would love it. I'm definitely rooting for you to succeed with the happy moving movement because yeah, I mean, traditionally my moves have been miserable. It's no fun not happy, at all. Not. <laughs> yeah, not happy moves. It's stressful and painful and yeah, it takes forever. I'm definitely for this. I did notice too, I think, did you start the first corporate location? We did. During yeah. uh, COVID? Well, it's more part of COVID, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. We were all in during the early part of COVID with the two maids because our industry was like every business was just, you know, worried about what the future was going to be. Yeah. It turned out to actually be a bonanza for us because we were considered an essential provider. And so we were overworked during the most of 2020 outside of March and April. And so once we got past that, we'd had our head down working. And then in late mid to late 2021 is when we started to get, or at least I started to get more and more serious about selling the business and focusing on Pink Zebra. So we we, I sold in September of 21, and then we opened roughly the same time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. My wife was not happy about that. She said, why can't you like, <laughs> take a break? <laughs> yeah, take a break, take a vacation. And I mean, long-term here, do you have your sights set on, on a longer-term goal? or Obviously, the big goal is to create this category. I keep talking about happy movers, you know? And so to do that, we can't just be great in 10 markets. You know, that's not going to move the needle this is act two for me, clearly. And so act two for me, I want to be a, a more than just a money-making initiative. Like we, of course, want to make money. Why not? It's a business. But the legacy is really what's more important to me here. And so to do that, we want to open and scale across this country. We have 250 plus market opportunities across this country. You know, we made some mistakes at Two Mates. Obviously, we overcame them, built a strong brand, and they're still doing it. I'm pr so proud to see where they're growing. But some of those mistakes, we had to live through those you know, two maids. And so here, we don't have to make those. We don't have to live with a crazy decision to franchise one person in D.C. here. We've already we already know that's a bad idea. And so 
all of those mistakes that we made that we had to just sort of deal with at Two Maids, we get to erase that and start all over here. And so it just makes life a lot easier for us. And so we think we're ready to grow. We've got the team, the technology, all the systems and everything. We're ready to, you know, to just take it to the next level. And so we're at 10 locations right now. But um, really where we're at right now in terms of next phase is to, is to go nationwide. And so we're not holding back at this point. We're ready to go. We're getting a lot of folks who are interested. A lot, most people get really excited when they talk to us because we have three things. Uh, most franchises, brands have two things. They have process and profits. We have process, profits, but we also have purpose. You know? And so our brand's doing more than just uh, a strong system with some money behind it. We have a reason for being, you know. I said I'm a book nerd. There's a great book by Simon Sinek. I probably said that name wrong because it starts with why. That's us. This is our why. This is our reason for being. It's the purpose in life now. And so our franchisees get to participate in that journey with us and give themselves their own lives purpose as well. So it's it's just fun, you know, having a ball doing this. And um, the passion that comes from having fun usually means success, you know, so that's that's what we're seeing so far. You guys are off to a great start. So congrats on all the success so far. And yeah, I think uh, the fact that, like you said, this isn't your second rodeo. Well, sorry, this isn't your first rodeo. That's huge from a support training and franchise growth perspective. And uh, it seems like you definitely, I mean, you've built a great brand so far and identified some real pain points that can be solved. Definitely wishing you all the best, Ron. And yeah, I mean, if folks want to follow you or Pink Zebra Moving, is there any good places online where they can get more information on either? Yeah, well, number one, I have two syllables, Ron Holt. You know, so easy to find on, on social on social channels. People reach out all the time by LinkedIn. Hey, how do I franchise my company? You know, I don't mind having those conversations. I love it. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So uh, yeah. feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you want to know more about the franchise opportunity, Pink Zebra Moving, it's easy to find as well. It's pinkzebramovingfranchise.com. You're going to find out all sorts of cool things about it. You're going to see that ice cream looking truck you're, like you just saw. You're going to see some of the stories that we've seen and lived through across the network. You're going to meet some of our franchisees as well. So pinkzebramovingfranchise.com. Fantastic. Yeah. And look, folks, we'll plug all that in the show notes and you can get in touch and learn more about the brand. And I highly recommend it, especially if you're looking for a service franchise with a lower investment range. This looks like a very interesting brand. So yeah, Ron, thanks again. And we'll talk soon. You bet. It's great being here. Thanks for asking me to join. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.